Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee, by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. When life seems to be against you, it's hard to see a light at the end of the tunnel. On October 20th, 1941, a man who felt like life was caving in on him was caught at the end of his deadly rampage. A rampage that saw the death of seven men and the biggest manhunt in New Zealand history. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Stanley George Graham, born November 12, 1900, grew up in Kokotahi, New Zealand, and as a child, worked at the Longford Hotel where his father was a proprietor. It was also the place where he met his wife, Dorothy McCoy, who moved to the area in the late 1920s to work at the hotel. They married on December 22, 1930, and lived in Christchurch for about six months before moving to a small dairy farm left to him by his mother on the West Coast, where they would eventually have a son and a daughter. 
Taking a loan from a man named Joseph Max, Stan and his wife built a home, some sheds, and bought all the livestock they needed to run a successful farming business. Despite being situated in the middle of Koitorangi, the Grams were not considered a social bunch, never attending any of the community events and pretty much keeping to themselves. But in 1938, Stan went from unsocial to outright rude when he began provoking arguments and alienating himself completely from the community, which combined with the depression did not bode well for their business. Soon, the Graham family found themselves in dire straits, and the more their financial problems grew, the more Stan lost his grip with reality. Things fell by the wayside. His milking shed was unhygienic, and his cream, which was dyed blue, was returned by the dairy companies. And by April of 1939, he was threatening the mortgage agent who was coming to collect his increasing debt. Things continued to escalate, with he and Dorothy playing target practice out behind their house at 4 a.m., and Stan abusing any neighbor who passed his home. Then the war effort needed weapons, and in May of 1941, the local police all began collecting all of the personally owned rifles in the area. Stan, who was quite the marksman and gun aficionado, did not want to give up his rifle and told the local constable, Edward Best, he didn't have any such weapon when he came to collect. That story soon changed, and he promised to send it later. But when it never arrived, the constable came back and Stan said they would have to prosecute him to get it. So that's exactly what they did. And on July 15, 1941, Stan conceded and the charges were dropped. But the event was enough to send Stan spiraling and his paranoia soon seemed to fly off the handle, with him accusing his neighbors of poisoning his livestock. In reality, his practices were so unhygienic, the cows simply died off. His debt continued to grow, hitting about 50,000 New Zealand dollars in today's money, and his mental health continued to deteriorate. On October 4, 1941, Stan Graham's neighbor, Anchor Madsen, complained to Constable Best that Stan was accusing him of poisoning his cattle. He told him not to worry about it, to let Stan cool down, and if the problem persisted, they would deal with it later. Four days later, the problem persisted, and Stan pulled out a newly acquired 7mm Mauser rifle and pointed it at Anchor Manson. Constable Best returned to the farm and attempted to talk Stan down from his anger. He backed off completely and called for backup when Stan pointed two rifles out of a window at him. Edward Best later returned with 43-year-old Sergeant William Cooper and Constables Frederick Jordan, 26, and Percy Turlock, 35. After a brief conversation, Stan shot and wounded Sergeant Cooper and Constable Best after Cooper had apparently tried to disarm the disgruntled farmer. He then shot at the two remaining constables as they ran from the house, killing them both instantly with one bullet. William Cooper, who was badly injured, attempted to flee the house and try and get some help, but was shot on the path in front of the Graham home. Edward Best pleaded for his life, but was shot once more. He died in the hospital three days later. Around this time, a field instructor for the Canterbury Education Board named George Ridley heard the shots and tried to help the wounded officers. He was fatally shot as Stan fled from his home 
with both of his Winchester rifles, his new 7mm, a rifle that he took from the armed citizen who entered his home with George Ridley, and a Colt revolver stolen from Sergeant Cooper's body. The next evening, when Stan returned to his house and found three members of the home guard inside, another firefight took place that resulted in the deaths of Richard Coulson and Gregory Hutchinson. Wounded, Stan fled yet again, thus starting what would become the largest manhunt in New Zealand history, involving a hundred officers and several hundred members of the New Zealand Army and House Guard. It lasted 12 days, and the men were given orders to shoot Stan Graham on sight. On October 10th, both of his Winchester rifles, as well as about 800 rounds of ammunition, were discovered, and over the next few days, so was the rifle he had stolen and his blood-soaked shirt. Citizens from all over began making calls claiming that they spotted the fugitive, and on a few occasions even shot at the elusive man before he was able to escape. And local farms reported that their cows were being found slaughtered, leading police to believe that he was using them as food while on the run. On October 17th, the farmhouse of a childhood friend of Stan's was broken into, food stolen. And on October 20th, police surrounded Stan's home in hopes that he would return. Their suspicion was correct, and he was spotted in the middle of the night carrying his rifle and ammunition belts. He was shot at by an Auckland constable and attempted to crawl away, but was quickly surrounded by about 100 police and army personnel. He told the men he, quote, could have shot more and the following morning died while in the same hospital where Constable Edward Best succumbed to his injuries. In total, the farmer killed seven men during his rampage. After he was laid to rest in a local cemetery, Graham's home was burned to the ground, forcing Dorothy and her children to leave the area. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on October 21st. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.